And would you open with me to Proverbs? Proverbs chapter 3, verses 1 to 26. You've probably seen already in our study of Proverbs, I jump around a lot. We're taking it more as a thematic approach, but we'll read Proverbs 3, the first 26 verses together. My son, do not forget my teaching, but let your heart keep my commandments. For length of days and years of life and peace, they will add to you. Do not let kindness and truth leave you. Bind them around your neck. Write them on the tablet of your heart. So you will find favor and good repute in the sight of God and man. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge Him and He will make your paths straight. Do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and turn away from evil. It will be healing to your body and refreshment to your bones. Honor the Lord from your wealth and from the first of all your produce. So your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will overflow with new wine. My son, do not reject the discipline of the Lord or loathe his reproof. For whom the Lord loves, he reproves, even as a father corrects the son in whom he delights. How blessed is the man who finds wisdom and the man who gains understanding. For her profit is better than the profit of silver and her gain better than fine gold. She is more precious than jewels, and nothing you desire compares with her. Long life is in her right hand, and in her left hand are riches and honor. Her ways are pleasant ways, and all her paths are peace. She is a tree of life to those who take hold of her, and happy are all who hold her fast. The Lord by wisdom founded the earth. By understanding He established the heavens. By His knowledge the deeps were broken up and the skies drip with dew. My son, let them not vanish from your sight. Keep sound wisdom and discretion so they will be life to your soul and adornment to your neck. Then you will walk in your way securely and your foot will not stumble. When you lie down, you will not be afraid. When you lie down, your sleep will be sweet. Do not be afraid of sudden fear nor of the onslaught of the wicked when it comes. For the Lord will be your confidence and will keep your foot from being caught. We return today to our study of living wisely in God's world from the book of Proverbs. By the way, I would just recommend, I'll, I'll, I'll be taking a break through the month of June. Anthony will be back in Mark um, be a great time to read through the book of Proverbs and be ready for July when I'm back up here and we continue in the, the book of Proverbs. And as you read, you may notice that in Proverbs 1 and again in Proverbs 8 and then again in Proverbs 9, wisdom cries out in the streets, pleading with fools to come and listen and learn. And as we saw earlier in Matthew 7, God's wisdom is now embodied in flesh, and He cries out on a Galilean hillside, summing up all the teaching of Proverbs and announcing its fulfillment. Let me read again His parable of the builders in verse 24 of Matthew 7. Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and acts on them may be compared to what? A wise man who built his house on the rock. 
And the rain fell, and the floods came, and the winds blew, and slammed against that house, and yet it did not fall, for it had been founded on the rock. Everyone who hears these words of mine and does not act on them will be like whom? A foolish man who built his house on the sand. The rain fell, and the floods came, and the winds blew and slammed against that house, and it fell, and great was its fall." Jesus paints a vivid picture of two builders. As far as we know, same building materials, same storm. One life weathers the storm. One life comes crashing down. What's the difference? You know the parable. The foundation. Hearing the words of Christ and doing them. We're going back to our our four elements of the fear of the Lord. Revelation and responding humbly and obediently. So I've got to ask you this morning, which do you want? Which do you want? Do you want a life that lasts or a life that crumbles? Today we're going to be looking at the benefits and the blessings of wisdom. The skill of building a life that weathers storms well and endures into eternity. There are a couple of preliminary thoughts I want to cover as we begin. First, if you've not picked up on it, wisdom is an urgent matter. Wisdom is an urgent matter. You heard that in Jesus' parable of the builders. And we're going to see it over and over in Proverbs. I hope you understand, the wisdom of the book of Proverbs is not a collection of life hacks. Okay, It's not a bunch of handy tips for how to have an easier life. This is life or death. Back in the summer of 1990, my infantry unit was prepping to go out to desert combat training at 29 Palms, California in the wonderful Mojave Desert. Now before we traveled out there to the desert, our classroom, we went through a lot of classroom training on desert survival. And I paid close attention. Do you know why? Because a year or two before this, one of the Marines in that unit got separated from his platoon and died before they found him. And I did not know at the time that the week we arrived in California, Saddam Hussein would invade Kuwait. And our unit would very soon be sent to the Persian Gulf. So that training in that classroom was not how to have a more comfortable trip to the desert. It was life or death. Wisdom is an urgent matter. Second preliminary thought, wisdom is a practical matter. (laughs) Wisdom is not a gray-bearded guru on a mountaintop contemplating the meaning of life. No, wisdom is for the Beltway in Washington, D.C. Wisdom is for downtown Manhattan. Going back with me now to Proverbs chapter 1, listen to verses 20 and 21. Wisdom shouts in the street. She lifts her voice in the square. At the head of the noisy streets, she cries out. At the entrance of the gates in the city, she utters her sayings. 
Wisdom stands in the very center of the city where government and business and education all intersect, and over the noise she shouts like a street preacher. (laughs) This is wisdom, folks, for the hustle and bustle of daily life. This is not higher thoughts to ponder on a secluded retreat. Wisdom isn't theory. Wisdom isn't idealistic dreams. It deals with the real world and how to handle it. So wisdom is urgent and wisdom is practical. And have you noticed that almost the first third of the book of Proverbs is trying to convince us that we need the book? That ought to tell us something about our innate foolishness, right? That Solomon's going to spend a third of the book saying, hey, listen, you need this. (laughs) I know you think you don't, but you do. Chapters 1 through 9 is just discourse after discourse trying to sell wisdom to us. It's the ads before the YouTube video, right, convincing us that we need this. Now, listen to the highlights of the ad that we read earlier, chapter 3. I'm just going to skip through and and pull out some highlights. Verse 2, for length of days and years of life and peace they will add to you. Verse 8, it will be healing to your body and refreshment to your bones. Verse 10, so your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will overflow with new wine. Verse 16, long life is in her right hand. In her left hand are riches and honor. How many are like, sign me up for that? Now, before we begin walking through these benefits and blessings of wisdom, there's another preliminary issue I need to address. Does Proverbs preach a prosperity gospel? (laughs) Is Proverbs just promising us that you're going to have a life of health and wealth and comfort? Well, let me begin answering that and confirming the answer already given with another question. What's a proverb? What is a proverb? We've got a whole book of them coming up. Proverbs are meant to be brief, memorable, practical, thought-provoking advice for daily life. It is the original bumper sticker, okay, or the t-shirt wisdom. It's meant to be quick, general truths but they can't be applied to every situation. It's the same with our sayings, right? The early bird gets the worm. Okay, so I should always hurry, but look before you leap. Well, which is it? Do I hurry or do I not hurry? Well, it's both, right? You apply them to different situations. A single proverb is an insight into life. It's not all insight into life, okay? So please listen to me closely. You cannot turn a proverb into a universal promise. (laughs) You will go wrong trying to do so. And then consider the context of the Old Covenant promises and penalties. Okay, these proverbs are general observations that wisdom makes life happier and healthier, and sin makes life harder. That's true. 
It was especially true in the spiritual context of Proverbs. In the Old Covenant, God did promise physical blessing for His people who were faithful to Him. And if you go back and read the law, there were several sins that carried the death penalty. So wisdom really did increase your chances of a longer life. But from our perspective in the New Covenant, we understand that what Proverbs ultimately is promising is eternal life. A soul-satisfying relationship with God that starts now and gets infinitely better in its final fulfillment. And later in the message, we're going to read some verses about life in Proverbs from that perspective. You may have also noticed in Scripture there are many, many examples that keep us from misapplying these promises in Proverbs. David feared God, and Saul hunted him for many years. The prophets feared God, and some of them were killed. Jesus, as we saw last time, is the wisest man who ever lived. He suffered. The Apostle Paul was a pretty wise person. He suffered. And in fact, Proverbs 3 itself balances itself out. In addition to the promises of many blessings, it also includes the promise of painful discipline from God on the children that He loves. And it speaks of attack from the wicked. So hopefully you've seen Proverbs does not promise a pleasant, prosperous, pain-free life for those who are wise. But please don't miss this. I don't want to cancel out my point. God does use incentives to attract us to wisdom. He does promise blessing and benefit to those who live wisely. So let's look now at some of the benefits of wisdom. First, wisdom trains us to live skillfully. Wisdom trains us to live skillfully. Chapter 1, verses 2 through 5. Well, verse 1, the Proverbs of Solomon, the son of David, king of Israel. Here's why I'm writing. To know wisdom and instruction, to discern the sayings of understanding, to receive instruction in wise behavior, righteousness, justice, and equity, to give prudence to the naive, to the youth, knowledge, and discretion. A wise man will hear and increase in learning, and a man of understanding will acquire wise counsel. In these opening verses of Proverbs, wisdom offers at least five areas in the training of life skills. First, in training us to live skillfully, wisdom forms character. Wisdom forms character. Verse 2, first phrase, to know wisdom and instruction. To know wisdom. Now, that Hebrew word to know is much more than mental knowledge. It means to know by experience, to have a relationship with. It is one thing to have a mental concept that electricity can do this painful thing called shocking you. It's another thing to accidentally touch a hot wire. Right? All of a sudden, now you know by experience what shocking is. You now have a relationship, painful relationship, with electricity. That's why I don't like working with it. I'll stick to plumbing. I just get wet if I make a mistake. 
wise people don't just have theoretical concepts of wisdom. They've gained the knowledge of truth and skillfully applied that. Their character has been changed. They experience wisdom. They have a relationship with wisdom. And that happens through the second word, to know wisdom and instruction. They also have an ongoing relationship with instruction, with corrective training. That starts with teaching, the positive part of instruction, but we don't always listen to that, so it also includes discipline, the negative reinforcement when we ignore the teaching. Parents, we understand this, right? We attempt to teach our children positively how to live in our homes responsibly. But sometimes they ignore that. And so the teaching must be painfully reinforced. And the goal is building character. And that's what our God is doing with His people. The same word is used in Proverbs 15 and verse 33. The fear of the Lord is the instruction, the corrective training for wisdom, and before honor comes humility. You see, we humans are naturally inclined to want to be God. And so through teaching and discipline, God must teach us that we're not Him. And He's forming character in us, and He's doing that by humbling us. So wisdom forms character. Second in these verses, wisdom sharpens discernment and intelligence. Discernment and intelligence. Last part of verse 2, first part of verse 3. To discern the sayings of understanding, to receive instruction in wise behavior. Discernment is the skill to analyze and distinguish right, wrong, true, false, valuable, worthless. It's the skill to see what's not always obvious. The discerning person is not easily fooled. So wisdom equips us to analyze life by God's standards. A lucrative business deal is dangled out there, but some of the elements seem a little bit shady. But your boss is pressing you that the ends justify the means. Come on, the payoff is worth it. The wise and discerning person knows what to do in that situation. Or you desire a relationship and you see this person who is attractive and they're so fun and and they have other qualities. Should I pursue them or not? What a blessing to have analytical skills based on God's standards. So we discern. Secondly, the wise receive instruction in wise behavior. Wise behavior is also translated intelligence. The New American Standard brings in that word behavior, again, to capture the idea this is not just mental knowledge, this is the right application of knowledge. This is the ability to reason through a complex situation or a complex set of ideas, and arrive at a practical, common-sense solution. Again, this is wisdom for the real world. So there's a job offer, or a job transfer in another city. The wise Christian does not just consider 
that excellent salary and those benefits that are held out, but we reason through the complex factors in a God-honoring framework. What will this move do to my family? Is there a good church there where we will grow spiritually? Is the company culture one that is worth this transfer? Is the cost of living, does it cancel out the, uh, the, the salary? So wisdom sharpens discernment and intelligence. And for Solomon, remember, true wisdom is the fear of the Lord. So he's going to define the behavior, the lifestyle that this discernment and intelligence produces at the end of verse 3. To receive instruction in wise behavior, righteousness, justice, and equity. Okay, so third, wisdom instills morality. Wisdom instills morality. Wisdom produces righteousness and justice. Hmm, didn't we just read that in Psalm 119? Righteousness and justice, treating other people according to God's standard. And equity. Now, this is not the modern idea of equity. Literally, it is straightness. It's the idea of walking God's straight path. So, true wisdom leads to us following God's standard in our personal conduct and our relationship with others. Solomon is quite clear. The wise person is also a good person. A good person. Wisdom instills morality. Next, wisdom gives appropriate purpose, appropriate priorities, and appropriate plans. Verse 4, to give prudence to the naive, to the youth, knowledge, and discretion. <laughs> it's not hard to uh, picture Solomon's target audience here, is it? Young and naive, or immature and clueless. They're open-minded. They have opinions, but they haven't thought very deeply about them. They're easily influenced. They're led by feelings rather than convictions. And what do they need? Solomon says, prudence. Another translation is shrewdness. And I like how one commentator explained this word. This is tactical thinking. I like that. Tactical thinking. Again, it's the idea of evaluating the options by a right standard, with a right goal in mind. Again, what's right? What's wrong? What's worthwhile? What's worthless? To give prudence, tactical thinking to the naive, and to the youth, knowledge and discretion. Now, discretion may not be the most helpful here. It means the ability to make successful plans. Hmm. Do we not see, I mean, just looking around, do we not see many immature, clueless people of all ages? All ages. Immature, clueless, no God-honoring purpose, no priorities, they're all out of whack, and they just blunder through life without a plan. Wisdom gives a purpose which then sets priorities and forms skillful plans. This is a goal worth pursuing. This plan will accomplish that goal. 
Number five, wisdom continually develops skill in navigating life. Number five, in verse five, a wise man will hear and increase in learning, and a man of understanding will acquire wise counsel. Do you notice this? A wise person never stalls out. They never get lazy and just stop learning, but rather they stay humble. They know there's always more to learn. Only a fool thinks he knows it all. So they increase in learning. And the Hebrew idea here is very vivid. He stores up, he hoards learning. He hoards it. He's already wise, but he continues adding to it. There's no such thing as being too wise in the Bible. And then a man of understanding will acquire wise counsel. I think the NIV says will acquire guidance. And the Hebrew here is literally pulling ropes in the context of steering a ship. Okay, it's the idea of a skilled sailor who uses the ropes to set the sails just right to steer the ship where it needs to go. That's a pretty helpful image. The person of understanding continually grows in their skill to navigate life. Now, compare that person with the adulterous fool full of regret. Chapter 5, verses 11 to 13. What a sad picture. And you groan at your final end when your flesh and your body are consumed. And you say, how I have hated instruction and my heart spurned reproof. I have not listened to the voice of my teachers nor inclined my ear to my instructors. Is that the end you want? The ship of your life wrecked on a reef, slowly sinking while you groan in regret over opportunities wasted and the devastating consequences of foolish choices. Why didn't I listen to God's Word and learn? Why didn't I fear God and obey? And over and over you voice those two tragic words, if only, if only, Is that how you want your life to end? Or would you rather reach the end of life with far fewer regrets, having steered your ship safely through many a storm? That's what wisdom offers you. Wisdom not only trains us to live skillfully, but wisdom helps us to live peacefully. Wisdom helps us to live peacefully, and in two ways. First of all, to live peacefully with others. Proverbs 18. We'll see many of these types of contrasts in our study. Proverbs 18, verses 6 and 7. A fool's lips bring strife, and his mouth calls for blows. A fool's mouth is his ruin, and his lips are the snare of his soul. Proverbs 15, 1 and 2. A gentle answer turns away wrath, 
but a harsh word stirs up anger. The tongue of the wise makes knowledge acceptable, but the mouth of fools spouts folly. And again in verse 18, a hot-tempered man stirs up strife, but the slow to anger calms a dispute. Again, these, these strong contrasts, opposing contrasts all throughout Proverbs. The talkative and the quick-tempered fool always stirring up strife and conflict. A foolish tongue continually stirring up unnecessary trouble. You know someone like this, don't you? I've been somebody like this. But this person, their life is always full of unnecessary drama, turmoil, conflict. And yet, look at the peaceful relationships of the wise. Proverbs 16, verses 6 and 7. By loving kindness and truth, iniquity is atoned for. And by the fear of the Lord, one keeps away from evil. When a man's ways are pleasing to the Lord, he makes even his enemies to be at peace with him. Now, let's make a really quick note. Verse 6, by loving kindness and truth, iniquity is atoned for. Solomon's not teaching salvation by works here, okay? Let me point that out. We do not atone for our sin by loving kindness and truth. But this is a proverb in the context of human relationships. Making things right when we've sinned against others. And that word truth can also be translated trustworthiness. And the phrase becomes even more clear. Wisdom teaches us how to mend damaged relationships. Love and kindness, and proving ourselves trustworthy can repair a lot of wrongs in relationships. We're demonstrating repentance. We demonstrate a real commitment to change. But look at the second phrase. Loving kindness and trustworthiness atone for, cover our sin against others, and by the fear of the Lord, one keeps away from evil. Aha! Wisdom helps us to repair damaged relationships, but the fear of the Lord keeps us from committing many of those wrongs in the first place. A lot less damage to repair. We'll be looking at some of these specific relationships later on in this series, but I mean, just think for a moment about friendships and marriages and parenting with pure priorities, appropriate emotions, and controlled tongues. That's a lot less pain and a lot more peace. And that's what wisdom offers us. But not only does wisdom offer us peace in relationships, also, peace with our circumstances. Proverbs 15, verse 16. Better is a little with the fear of the Lord than great treasure and turmoil with it. The fear of the Lord produces a peaceful contentment, regardless of physical prosperity. 
I don't know if you remember the fourth R in the fear of the Lord, a reverential relationship. And our reverence towards God invites a response of friendship from Him. And for the wise person, that's enough. That's enough. An intimate relationship with God is better than wealth and all the problems that often come with it, Solomon says, and he should know. Also, in chapter 14, verse 26, In the fear of the Lord there is strong confidence, and His children will have refuge. Walking in the fear of the Lord gives strong confidence in life circumstances. I mean, think of the peaceful confidence of being assured of God's love, being assured of God's acceptance in a painful situation because you know there's no known sin between you and Him right now. The peaceful confidence of a clear conscience. Or think of the peaceful confidence because you trust God's sovereign control over life circumstances. The fear of the Lord, which is wisdom, gives strong confidence. And then look at the result of line A, which he gives in line B. In the fear of the Lord, there is strong confidence, and His children will have refuge. When mom and dad are living in the fear of the Lord, when mom and dad are responding to God's Word in humble obedience, when they are walking in the peaceful confidence of friendship with God, it is a refuge for our children. It's a safe place for them to learn and make mistakes and grow. And if they will follow our example of faith, it is a refuge for their soul. Now again, let's briefly compare the peace of the wise with the way of the fool. Proverbs 4.19 says, The way of the wicked is like darkness. They do not know over what they stumble. As Ray Ortland puts it, sin just makes life hard. You are swimming against the current of God's world. You're trying to reach a destination and you're on the wrong road. So, wisdom trains us to live skillfully. Wisdom helps us to live peacefully. Wisdom also causes us to live beautifully. Wisdom causes us to live beautifully. Wisdom provides a life that is attractive to others. Going back to chapter 1, verse 9. His father's instruction, his mother's teaching are what? Indeed, they are a graceful wreath for your head and ornaments about your neck. Wisdom adds bling to your life. Okay, wisdom beautifies our lives. It makes our lives attractive. In chapter 1, verse 9, wisdom is described as a necklace. Let's go back to chapter 3 again that we read earlier, verses 3 and 4. Do not let kindness and truth leave you. Bind them around your neck. Write them on the tablet of your heart, so you will find favor and good repute in the sight of God and man. Kindness and truth, bind them around your neck like a necklace. Kindness and truth, sounds like a description of God's character, doesn't it? 
And that's what wisdom does. As wisdom conforms our character to God's likeness, our lives grow more beautiful. Now, does that mean that everyone will always appreciate the beauty of our godly character? (laughs) No. Remember, Proverbs 3 goes on to speak of the onslaught of the wicked. There are some unbelievers who will be drawn to the beauty of godliness in us, and they won't even understand why. But there are also some unbelievers who will be rebuked by our godliness, and they will hate it, and they will attack it. But fellow believers who love God will appreciate, will be drawn to the dim reflection of His character that we see in one another as we are taught by wisdom. But far more important than a life attractive to one another, wisdom produces a life approved by God. Did you hear verse 4 of chapter 3? So you will find favor and good repute in the sight of God and man. Solomon begins Proverbs with the fear of the Lord and the favor of God, and he ends Proverbs with the same. That familiar chapter, Proverbs 31, verse 30. Charm is deceitful and beauty is vain, but a woman who fears the Lord, she shall be praised. Praised by whom? Not by the world. She's not playing by their rules. Now, of course, praised by her husband and her children. We see that in previous verses. But I agree with those who see this verse as the approval of God. Who cares about cultural trends? Who cares about society's standards of beauty? This is what God values in a woman. A humble, obedient relationship with Him. That is beautiful in His sight. So we have seen that wisdom trains us to live skillfully, helps us to live peacefully, causes us to live beautifully, and last, wisdom prepares us to live eternally. Proverbs 14, verse 27. Proverbs 14, 27, Solomon says, The fear of the Lord is a fountain of life that one may avoid the snares of death. The fear of the Lord is a fountain of life. Does anybody hear echoes of that in Jesus' invitation in John chapter 7? John 7, 37 and 38. On the last day, the great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried out, saying, If anyone is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. He who believes in me, as the Scripture said, from his innermost being will flow rivers of living water. Wisdom is a fountain of life. Or Proverbs 19, verse 23. The fear of the Lord leads to life so that one may sleep satisfied, untouched by evil. 
Now remember, the fear of the Lord in the Old Covenant is faith in Christ in the New Covenant. So can I put faith in Christ in this verse? Faith in Christ leads to life so that one may sleep satisfied, untouched by evil. This verse is a pretty good description of eternity with God, isn't it? Eternal life, eternal satisfied rest, eternal safety from evil. That's what wisdom offers us. Eternal life, satisfied rest, safety from evil. Compare that again, please, with the destiny of the fool. Proverbs 1, 24 to 27. Because I called and you refused, I stretched out my hand and no one paid attention, and you neglected all my counsel and did not want my reproof. I will also laugh at your calamity. I will mock when your dread comes. When your dread comes like a storm and your calamity comes like a whirlwind, when distress and anguish come upon you, then they will call on me, but I will not answer. And verse 32, For the waywardness of the naive will kill them, and the complacency of fools will destroy them. Instead of safety, the fool gets storm and calamity. Instead of satisfied rest, they get distress and dread. Instead of life, they get death and destruction. Now let me end today where we should always end in Proverbs with Jesus Christ who is our wisdom from God. Do you realize those verses I just read should be every single one of us? Let me read them again. Because I called and you refused, I stretched out my hand and no one paid attention. And you neglected all my counsel and did not want my reproof. I will also laugh at your calamity. I will mock when your dread comes, when your dread comes like a storm and your calamity comes like a whirlwind. When distress and anguish come upon you, then you will call on me, but I will not answer. For the waywardness of the naive will kill them. The complacency of fools will destroy them. Every one of us rejected God. Every one of us refused His outstretched hand to us. We ignored His voice calling to us in His Word. We rebelled against His commands. We mocked His warnings. And every one of us deserves to end a foolish life being flung into hell with the mocking laughter of God echoing in our ears. That should be the last thing we hear from God as He forever remains silent to our cries of distress and anguish. That's what we all deserve. But many of us are destined for a far better fate. Why? Why? 
When we deserved dread and calamity, Jesus Christ, the wisdom of God calling out here, was filled with dread in the garden as He shouldered our sin and accepted our calamity. When we deserved God's mocking laughter and the storm of His wrath, Jesus, the wisdom of God, endured the mocking laughter of fools as God's storm of justice engulfed Him instead of us. And Jesus Christ, the God of life, was slain by death that we might escape death's snare and receive eternal life, eternal safety, eternal satisfaction. What do we have that we have not received? And if we've received it, why do we boast? As the Apostle Paul reminded the Corinthians, God saved the foolish. That's us, folks. God saved the foolish that He might shame all that the world calls wisdom. And any wisdom in us is His doing, and all boasting is in Him. Let's pray. Oh, Father, we praise Your infinite wisdom and goodness, Your righteousness and Your mercy. God, You would have been perfectly right and just to cast us all into hell and laugh at our destruction for our rebellion against You. But, oh God, there is such deep grief and joy at the thought of Your Son with our mocking in His ears satisfying the storm of Your wrath in our place. Oh, I pray that if someone here this morning is not yet safe from Your wrath, that they will see the beauty of what You have done in Your Son and they will flee to Him for safety and they will become wise today. And God, for all of us, You've already set on the path of wisdom. Oh, please, Continue growing us in skill to live a life that honors You, that points to You always, and is a great blessing to those around us. Would You do this, please, for the glory of Your Son and our good, we pray in Jesus' name, amen.